O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. The King ascendeth into heaven. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. It is his and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia! The King ascendeth into heaven. O come, let us worship him. The Spirit of the Lord filleth the world. Alleluia! Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Alleluia! Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. Sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Rejoice before him. The Lord gave the word. Lo, he doth send out his voice, and that a mighty voice. O God, thou art terrible out of the holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord filleth the world. Alleluia. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Alleluia.
The Old Testament lesson for the Feast of Pentecost is written in the 11th chapter of Genesis, beginning at the first verse. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. As the people traveled east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and lived there. They said to one another, Come, let's make bricks and burn them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower whose top reaches to the heavens, and let's make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing will be withheld from them which they intend to do. Come, let's go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there on the surface of all the earth. They stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. From there the Lord scattered them abroad on the surface of all the earth. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning at the first verse. Now when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came from the heavens a sound like the rushing of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Tongues like fire appeared and were distributed to them, and one sat on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under the sky. When this sound was heard, the multitude came together and were bewildered because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, aren't all those who speak Galileans? How do we hear everyone in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them speaking in our own languages, the mighty works of God. They were all amazed and were perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and spoke out to them, You men of Judea and all you who dwell at Jerusalem, let this be made known to you and listen to my words. For these men aren't drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what has been spoken through the prophet Joel. It will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Yes, and on my servants and on my handmaidens in those days, I will pour out my Spirit and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. It will be that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. O Lord, have mercy upon us. 
Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. Alleluia, come, Holy Ghost, and fill the hearts of thy faithful people, and kindle in them the fire of thy love. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus answered Judas, not Iscariot, saying, If a man loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who doesn't love me doesn't keep my words. The word which you hear isn't mine, but the Father's who sent me. I have said these things to you while still living with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be fearful. You heard how I told you, I go away and I come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I said, I am going to my Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will no more speak much with you, for the Prince of the world comes, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father commanded me, even so I do. Arise, let's go from here. Here ends the Gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. And there appeared unto the apostles cloven tongues like as of fire. Alleluia. And the Holy Ghost sat upon each of them. Alleluia, alleluia. And they began to speak with other tongues the wonderful works of God. And the Holy Ghost sat upon each of them. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost sat upon each of them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, St. Peter stands up before thousands to preach the first sermon of the newborn church. A sermon which was bold, elegant, graceful, powerful, profound, and you'll appreciate this, it was short. Peter, in this image, looks inspired, wise, comfortable. But that's not always the image we have had of St. Peter. Just 53 days ago, it was a wildly different picture. And if you remember, 53 days ago, Peter tried to be bold there too. He told Christ he would never leave his Lord, that he would follow his Lord even into death. And later, as Jesus was being arrested that night, Peter unsheathed his sword and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant named Malchus. Peter was ready to go to war for his Lord. His heart was zealous for our Lord's earthly power. His mind discerned and judged that what he said and did that night was good and right. He felt it in his heart. He knew it in his soul. And so Peter that night tried to be bold. Yet as the night wore on, we saw a different picture of Peter than what he was trying to give. When our Lord went to pray, what did Peter do but fall asleep during his watch? And when Peter cut off Malchus's ear, Christ rebuked him. When our Lord was arrested, there Peter fled and scattered alone and afraid. And when our Lord was on trial, Peter denied him three times. All of a sudden, Peter's heart sank. His faith melted. His sure judgment and discernment disappeared. There was no more any boldness, no elegance, no power, no profoundness in anything Peter said or did. And our Lord said earlier that night, what we heard in the gospel today, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Actually, he says, whoever loves me keeps my words. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And Peter that night certainly had not kept our Lord's words. 
So the image of Peter there that Good Friday was him alone, weeping bitterly without any comfort. So those are the two vastly different images we have of Peter. One on Good Friday, the other today on Pentecost. So what could have possibly happened in those 53 days to change Peter? And what changed him is exactly what our, what our Lord promised would happen. The Holy Spirit was sent by the Father. That's what we hear from Acts in, chapter, in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, the disciples were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And it divided tongue, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was sent by the Father just as Christ promised, in a mighty rushing wind and in tongues of fire. More than that, though, this is the Spirit being sent in the name of the Son. That is, the Spirit was coming with the gospel, with the promise of Christ crucified, with the hope of Christ resurrected, with the forgiveness of sins and salvation. So when the text says that Peter and the disciples were full of the Holy Spirit, it means that as they were filled with the Spirit, they were forgiven. They were being sanctified and kept in the one true faith. They were being brought to Christ Himself. And the Father and the Son were coming to dwell with the church in the Spirit. What follows in Acts, after the Spirit comes, after they're full of the Spirit, what follows in Acts is the miracle of the disciples preaching and proclaiming Christ in tongues. But as amazing as that miracle was, the preaching in tongues has come and gone. But what remains now is the preaching of the gospel and Peter and the disciples being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what changed Peter. Fifty-three days ago, Peter proclaimed his own strength to follow Christ, but then denied him thrice. Peter that night was determined to fight for Christ, but then he ran. Peter was alone and he went bitterly. And why? Because Peter could not, by his own reason and strength, love and believe in Christ his Lord. Instead, Peter in his heart clung to his pride, so that his mind was blinded with thoughts of power and earthly glory. But today... As the Holy Spirit filled that upper room in a mighty wind and descended upon Peter with a tongue of fire, everything changed. Because just as God created man by breathing in him the breath of life, so also God on Pentecost in the wind breathed his spirit into Peter and the disciples. So that Peter who was dead to sin now had life again. And with a tongue of fire, he had created in Peter a new heart. In fact, that's what we prayed about today in the collect. If you look in your bulletin at the collect, notice what we said. We prayed, O God, who upon this day taught the hearts of your faithful by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit was doing here for Peter. The Spirit was teaching his heart, not his mind. He was teaching his heart. 
And this is different with how the world goes about it and how the world gives to us. The world teaches the mind of man, believing that it's through the mind that it reaches the heart, and believing that man through the mind can ascend to God. But that's not so. We see that here. Here we see the Holy Spirit begins by teaching the heart. And a new heart is given to Peter. And with a new heart, the Spirit then molds and forms the mind of Peter. So that now, where Peter's heart had before clung to pride, his heart now clings to Christ crucified. Where Peter was once alone, now he is brought into the body of Christ, that newborn church, all together in that room. Now in our day, we're not going to hear a mighty rushing wind, and we're not going to see tongues of fire. But that flame, which started 2,000 years ago, has continued to blaze through the church in all these centuries since. The work which the Spirit began on Pentecost, He hasn't stopped doing, and He won't stop doing until that great and magnificent day of the Lord comes. Which means what the Spirit did for Peter and all our fathers in the faith before us, so has He done for us, is doing for us, and so will He do for our children. Where we cling to our pride, where we cling to our idols in the heart, there the Spirit will show us our sin and humble us. And where we are humbled and repentant and alone, there the Spirit comes to forgive us and to bring us into the church. It's in baptism where the Father sends us the Spirit in the name of the Son. You could not by your own reason or strength come to Christ. But here in the waters, Christ is brought to you. Here in the waters, the Spirit daily and richly washes you of all your sins in Christ's forgiveness. And the Spirit does this as He teaches our heart in the Gospel. As He leads our heart to let go of all those idols and cling to Christ crucified alone. That's what the Spirit does. And we see this in Peter. Not just in Acts chapter 2, but look throughout all the book of Acts, and you'll see that this new image of Peter only grows more and more. And throughout Acts, we begin to see in Peter not only a new heart taught by the Spirit, but a new and right judgment and discernment. A new mind that wasn't there 53 days ago. Because the simple truth is this, whatever is in the heart flows into the mind. And that's where the world has it wrong. It's not what is in the mind flowing into the heart. It's what is of the heart flowing into the mind. So when Peter clung to pride in his heart, all that was in his mind were prideful thoughts and judgments. He was blinded in his mind from knowing, seeing, and discerning the things of Christ because he wanted the things of this world instead. And a blinded mind, wanting the things of the world, a blinded mind refuses to see suffering and self-sacrifice and poverty as anything but foolish. It thinks comfort is only found in riches, in wealth, or in the self. A blinded mind wants to receive only what the world can give, what the flesh wants. But in these things, comfort is never found. Not true comfort. 
But as Peter was filled with the Spirit, as his heart was taught and it let go of idols, as his heart clung to Christ, then the cloud of his mind was lifted. Then his mind was no longer blind. Then the Christ which was in the heart flowed into his mind. So he began to have not his own blinded mind, but the mind of Christ. Where right judgments and discernment come from. That is how the Peter from 53 days ago was now able to preach this profound Pentecost sermon. Christ says this morning, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. This is not a command which any of us can keep under our own reason or strength. Like Peter, we can't love Christ or keep his word under our own power. Which is why our Lord continues saying a couple verses later, a couple verses later, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We see this with Peter, don't we? He was not able to love Christ until the Holy Spirit taught his heart. He was not able to keep Christ's word until... With Christ in his heart, the Spirit was able to form in him the mind of Christ. And it's no different for us. The Holy Spirit having taught our hearts, we pray from this, from the teaching of our heart, that the Spirit would also give us a right judgment and discernment. We pray that as we hear the gospel, proclaim the creeds, learn the confessions, we pray as we hear all that, and as we suffer the things of this world for the gospel, from all that, we pray that the Spirit would be in our hearing and our suffering and in those things form in us the mind of Christ from the heart. And that's what the Spirit does. That's what the Spirit gives to us. What we prayed for in the collect, the Spirit does do. The Spirit leads us to discern the Scriptures. He leads us to, the, to discern the Scriptures in law and gospel, in all the six parts of the Catechism. But when we pray this, we're also praying for discernment in all those situations in our lives where we are left perplexed and confused on what the right thing is to do. Now our Lord in the Scriptures gives us many teachings showing us what is right and what is wrong. But still those teachings don't always give us clear-cut answers to every moral dilemma that we face in our lives today. And you guys bring those dilemmas to me all the time which is a good thing. There are situations where we wonder how to interact with a brother who has sinned against us. There are situations where we ask we should marry this man or woman or move on, or how many kids we should have when we are married. There are also situations such as when we ask, how do I love my atheist or pagan neighbor? Or I've had people ask me, my friend invited me to his gay wedding, do I go or not? Or, I have, family, I have family using IVF, what do I say? Or, work wants me to go through this training that goes against what we believe, what do I do? Even in the church, the church has wrestled with things like, is online communion okay? And we know it's not. But we have those questions come up, and so on it goes. Many come to pastoral counseling seeking clear-cut answers. But often the scriptures point in the way of spiritual discernment, 
to discern our way through those situations. Discernment which can only be given by the Spirit in baptism, in prayer, in study, and receiving the Word at all times. That's why we say, come to church, stay in the Word. And the result of the Spirit teaching our hearts and giving us a right judgment is this, as Christ says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The new image of Peter on Pentecost, it continued even beyond the book of Acts. That new image of Peter would endure to his dying day. Years later after Pentecost, Peter was arrested in Rome and sentenced to death by crucifixion. And on the day he was to die, there was for Peter no false pride. He didn't draw his sword. He didn't deny his Lord. There was no weeping. There was no trembling and despair. Instead, history tells us Peter was calm, tempered, restrained by godly fear. He was somber. If anything, he was refreshed in spirit. And as he was about to die, what he had was comfort. It wasn't a self-indulgent comfort, a physical comfort like we see all around us today. It was a comfort of divine peace that Peter had. And as the Roman officials came to take Peter to his crucifixion, he had only one request, that he be crucified upside down. And when he asked why he wanted to be crucified upside down, he simply said he didn't think himself worthy enough to die in the same manner as our Lord. And there's no scripture saying Peter couldn't have been crucified as Christ was, nailed to the cross upright. Both a heart taught by the Spirit and a mind molded by the Spirit in right judgment, Peter discerned this is the way he should die. There's no physical comfort being crucified upside down. If anything, that's a worse crucifixion yet. But in his dying breath, Peter received the divine peace which gave him comfort in his final hour. And even to this day, the symbol for St. Peter is the upside-down cross, an image which for centuries has strengthened and encouraged the faithful, the faithful to this day. And so it is for us, the baptized. Our hearts have been taught by the Spirit. Our minds have been given right judgment in Christ. And with a new heart and new mind, there the Spirit opens our hearts to receive evermore the peace and comfort of Christ. He leads us to rejoice in this comfort at all times. There's rejoicing in divine peace and comfort even when, when we, like Peter, are persecuted. There's divine peace and comfort even in our dying hour because of all this from the Spirit. And now may we, gathered together and filled with the Spirit, come to partake of our Lord's body and blood, so our sins may be forgiven, our hearts together be taught, and our minds trans transformed, and so that we may leave this altar together with divine comfort being ours. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you.
the glorious company of the apostles Have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. 
O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, who did teach the hearts of your faithful people by sending to them the light of your Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the same Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you, so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, 
and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen.